Welcome to Current, a no-nonsense current event show with facts and opinions that are both educational and entertaining. Now, your host of Current, Valerie Hayes. Welcome to Current. Current is a show that was created for you to help you get the information you need to develop your own opinion. Because often when you're watching the news, you get confused and maybe a little overwhelmed because shows tell you what happened but not why. And it makes it absolutely impossible to develop your own opinion. Current is kind of a kitchen table conversation where people share their different views, insights, and opinions. We don't always agree, but it's always great to be informed. Well, in today's show, we're talking about the obesity epidemic and Obamacare. It's absolutely no secret that the U.S. is facing an epidemic of obesity. Not only are today's adults overweight, but today's youth are expected to have a shorter lifespan than their own parents, and the medical costs related to health care and obesity is skyrocketing. And right now, health care costs are on everyone's mind due to the upcoming election. Candidates on the left want to expand the current Affordable Health Care Act, or Obamacare, and candidates on the right want to repeal it and replace it. Well, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the epidemic of obesity and its impact on health care, as well as the successes and failures of Obamacare. We're really going to try to dig deep today to understand both the personal and governmental responsibility for health care. As I'm sure you know, one of the biggest health stories of the past five years has been the rise in obesity among both adults and children in the U.S. Studies across the board have identified obesity as a severe public health crisis, with New York University predicting that costs related to obesity will become astronomical, and the University of Colorado indicating that at the rate we're going now, obesity-related diabetes alone will absolutely break the bank of our current health care system. Joining us for our discussion, Today, my first guest is the owner of Eat Fitters, a prepackaged healthy meal option which is low in sodium and high in protein. With three locations in Houston, he prides himself on being a personal advocate of health, wellness, and nutrition. He himself has undergone a true transformation after eating Eat Fitters food, and he now speaks to audiences around the country, including youth, about promoting the importance of good nutrition, healthy living skills, and healthy eating choices. Please welcome to the show, Sam Joyd, the owner of Eat Fitters. Hey, Sam. Hi, how are you, Valerie? It's great to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit, before we like jump into the nitty-gritty of what is making America obese, tell us a little bit about your own personal transformation and path along healthy eating and healthy living. Well, we live a very hectic lifestyle uh, in America, and we tend to ignore uh, eating the right food and just eating uh, fast food. Um, and the food industry has manipulated our food uh, by adding more sugar, cutting back on the fiber. And because of that, uh, our bodies do not uh, do well. They, it takes time to adjust to these things. Uh, so you, you develop diabetes, high cholesterol, uh, high triglycerides. So I had to go through this myself, and uh, I started looking into healthy uh, options, healthy food, and try to cook uh, food with low sodium and uh, avoid all the preservatives and uh, find uh, healthy ingredients. Uh, so I did that myself, and I was able to change my uh, bad blood results to good 
blood results with just eating the right food, the right, adding the right nutrients in my diet and avoiding uh, preservatives and sugar and high sodium. And because of that, I decided to develop Eat Fitters so I can uh, help others uh, do the same thing or help them achieve the same goals like I did. That's great. And congratulations on your personal success story and then sharing that healthy food with, with others and creating a business around that. You mentioned that the food industry has increased the amount of sugar that the average American is eating and reduced the amount of fiber and increased some of the unhealthy fats. What do you feel are the primary factors that are driving the obesity epidemic? Well, two things. Uh, of course, uh, the lack of physical activity are uh, uh, one of the primary factors. And, of course, like I said earlier, uh, the food industry uh, increasing the dense foods instead of promoting healthy foods. So I feel like these are the two major factors. And what do you mean by dense food? You mean like, nutritionally dense foods? Yeah, by adding sugar and, like I just said earlier, reducing the fiber from the diet and replacing it with sugar so they can have a longer shelf life. The, the reality, well, the reason all this happened is because supermarkets dictated on the food industry what they want. And in order to have a longer shelf life, they had to alter the way we create our food now, because of that, we introduced artificial ingredients and our bodies are not used to eating these artificial ingredients. So results are b- bad blood work, uh, high cholesterol, diabetics and all these things. Right. So it was really uh, a business decision for the food industry to increase profits to introduce the sugar and the chemicals into the food because it increases shelf life at the grocery store. So I'm not tossing out expired food, right? Absolutely. So what are some of the specific health risks to an individual that are associated with obesity? There's a long list, and I'll share with you a few of them, like heart disease and stroke, high blood, pre- high blood pressure, diabetes, cancer. Um, uh, because of all these artificial ingredients in our bodies, our bodies become more inflammatory. Uh, they cause more inflammation. And because of that, we have other things in our uh, other diseases. Um, even breathing problems such as sleeping apnea is one of the big issues now. Um, gallbladder disease and gallstones. Uh, I mean, it's a long, long list uh, of uh, issues we are facing every day. I even read yesterday um, that there's a recurrence of gout, which used to be considered, um, I guess, an illness of royalty. Royalty, you know, back in the day in, in you know, Middle Evil times having more access to more foods than perhaps the peasant population and had therefore a tendency to be more overweight. And apparently gout is even resurging again, which is linked to obesity, right? Absolutely. I actually had gout on my mind, but I didn't mention it. I'm glad you did. Yeah, uh, gout has <laughs> been like completely gone for a couple centuries, and now it's coming back with a vengeance. So what do you feel, um, how do you feel obesity is contributing to the climbing healthcare costs that we're seeing in America? 
Well, I'm going to share with you some numbers. Obese adults spend 42% more on direct health care costs than adults who are healthy in weight. In 2000, around $11 billion was spent on medical expenses for uh, obese people in the U.S. Now, according to a Harvard study in 2005, just remember, 2000, now 2005, that same amount went up to $190 billion. These numbers are multiplying very fast. If we don't do something very drastic in this country, we will never be able to pay this bill. No health care will be able to save us. And um, a lot of health care insurance plans, you know, some of them will pay for like smoking cessation programs or drug addiction programs or even mental health counseling. But a lot of health insurance programs don't address simply the issue of being obese. They wait until you have a heart attack or they wait until you have diabetes. Do you feel that increased support of weight loss programs by health insurance companies would help reduce the number of overweight youth and adults? Absolutely, yes. Educating the public and sharing the alarming numbers will create more awareness. But these companies need incentives. And I think what our government should do is maybe uh, give incentives to these companies to create more awareness. Maybe the more you spend on um, uh, awareness and educating the public, you get tax incentives. So these companies have no incentives to do anything, so they don't do it. Uh, well, they do do a little bit of it, but not enough just because they feel guilty for not doing anything. One of the issues I think that is tied up with addressing obesity is kind of self-esteem and how you feel about yourself. There was a time when overweight people were kind of looked at as having no um, willpower and we kind of looked down on them. And now there's almost a backlash in that you can't say anything about someone being overweight. Um, that's body shaming. That's, um, you know, putting too much pressure on them to, to fit a certain physical ideal. How can we balance communications to adult and youth about the importance of being at a healthy weight without getting into body shaming or negatively impacting self-esteem? First thing we need to do is start introducing uh, uh, nutrition, classes at, uh, nutrition classes at schools, educating the youth on the bad side of not eating healthy and what they're doing to harm their bodies. If we approach it in a very holistic way, then the other side or the other part you're talking about is not important anymore. If you approach it more on a physical side and an appearance side, people tend to resist that and fight it. So you need to approach it in a holistic way. Start, start at the schools. Uh, educate the youth about bad uh, nutrition, avoiding the sugar, avoiding all these bad ingredients. Then people will understand and relate to it better. But then if it's all superficial, people avoid to shut it down and don't want to listen anymore. So talking about education in the schools for youth and really for everyone, um, there are a lot of fad diets that we hear about, you know, in, in magazines, on the Internet, on the news. We see commercials for them on TV, um, you know, cut carbs, eat all protein, eat no protein, go vegan, um, no fat, lots of fat. I saw uh, something on the Internet that was like um, – 
it was like all fat, like no carbohydrates and a little bit of protein. What is a balanced, healthy approach that we could teach people that would then become a lifestyle? The first thing is avoid artificial ingredients. Second, eat in moderation. Uh, the key is moderation and not binge eating. The biggest problem we face in this country is called starvation mode. Um, diets don't solve anything. We're always looking for this magic answer or magic pill to fix our issues. But in reality, nothing will fix uh, a bad problem. You need to just make it a lifestyle. You need to just eat in moderation, um, eat a little bit of carbs, but eat the right carbs. Eat complex carbs. Use carbs from vegetables. You can eat all the vegetables you want. You should never deprive yourself from complex carbs because they are responsible for cognitive functions. How would your brain function if you don't feed it carbs? This is the most important nutrient for your brain. Second, uh, eat the right amounts. Instead of eating so much at one meal, just break it down. Um, we wake up in the morning, we don't eat breakfast, we rush to work, we drink coffee, we kill our metabolism, we put our body in starvation mode, and then lunch comes and we're just binging. And then we go through the same cycle twice per day, try that for 10 years, instead of just waking up in the morning, taking your time and doing the right thing. This is why Eat Fitters does well. It's because we make this so simple and so easy. It's all prepackaged. They don't have to think. All they have to do is heat and eat. And heat and eat. I like that. <laughs> heat and eat. That's easy. We can all do that. Absolutely. Because we live in a fast-paced society and everybody's stressed out and everybody wants to do two million things in one day uh, and not paying attention to their own personal needs. How can you function well if you physically are suffering, you don't have the proper nutrients in your body. How can you think right if you're not feeding your brain the right amount of complex carbs? So we are totally against fads here, but I guess fads make news and everybody every year is looking for something new. Um, I mean, paleo, for example, we get customers in the store asking for paleo, but they don't understand what paleo is. And many of these people cannot adhere to a paleo diet if you explain it to them. But they think paleo is the answer. Uh, next year will be something else. But in reality, there's nothing better than just eating in moderation, avoid all the artificial ingredients, and just enjoy life. And so people forget that. So a question that I think a lot of people would have about the artificial ingredients thing, and let's take, for example, the artificial sweeteners, because that's kind of an easy one to discuss. Artificial sweeteners don't have any calories. They don't have any carbs. They don't raise the blood sugar. So why are artificial sweeteners not good? Well, it's not all artificial sweeteners are not good. The ones that are made from natural plants are fine, but the ones they are chemically designed that are bad for you. Uh, it's just our bodies are not used to handling for, uh, alien ingredients. And you can consume so much of it, but if you eat a lot of it, then your body doesn't know what to do with it and puts it in on the side and it builds a storage unit inside your body to keep all these artificial ingredients that your body cannot handle at one time and just put them on the side. And this is how we gain weight. 
So do you think that putting special taxes, sometimes called fat taxes, on sugary beverages or junk foods that are sold in vending machines um, or, you know, in fast food places, are, are fat taxes a good idea and would they have a positive impact on obesity? Well, yes and no. We have to approach it in a positive way to, in order for it to work. Yes, we should penalize companies that are using artificial ingredients, but in the same time, we should reward companies that they are trying to go the right way and the holistic way and the clean way. It has to be a reward system too, not just a penalized system. Otherwise, it will not work and people will fight it. You have and- to create a balance. There's also been a lot of discussion that the affordability of high-quality food is one of the things contributing to obesity. In other words, that if you're in an economically disadvantaged family and don't have access to high-quality vegetables and fruits and protein sources, that you're loading up on carbs and fat, you know, just to fill your family's tummy at dinner. Do you think that the affordability of quality food has an impact on obesity, or is it really just the lack of education? Actually, it's the lack of education and the choices we make. I'll give you a good example. Instead of going and ordering an all-cheese pizza, why don't you order a vegetarian pizza? It's not going to cost you anything more. I mean, it's the simple things we can alter in our body or alter in our diet that will make a huge difference. The bottom line is you can cheat your body today What you end up paying is more at the doctor's office in a year or two from now, and it's going to cost you 10 times more. So it's all about choices and, like you said, education. And this is why we should make it mandatory to set up programs at the schools to educate the youth and the parents on what you could avoid and what you can eat. So if you were setting up mandatory programs for elementary school and junior high and high school students to educate them about what they're eating and how that impacts their health care as well as their health care costs, what would be the three most important aspects of that educational program? Well, you need to educate them on nutrition. And what I mean by that, uh, teach them what carbs mean. Um, what protein means, uh, why you need these things, and uh, make it very simple. Um, so if they don't understand all these uh, uh, basic components, how are they going to understand how to eat? So you need to keep it very basic, explain the benefits of carbs and the, the disadvantages of simple carbs, and just keep it simple. And actually, there is a way to pay for this. If you go to all these food companies and say, listen, we're starting programs at the schools, and if you contribute funds towards that, these could be tax deductibles. Why don't you just do this for us, and we will pay for this? And then food companies would love that, and then the schools will pay for it, and everybody will benefit. But nobody is thinking. Everybody is just going fast and just knowing there's a problem, but the food industry is not concerned about it because the more sugar they pump in their food, the more money they make. Right. It really is kind of a, a profit now, pay later, situ- later situation where the food industry is profiting 
that the consumer is paying later with decreased health and increased health care costs. Well, I really appreciate your taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us today, Sam. It's been an, a really great and informational interview. Well, thank you. One thing I would like to add to the schools is maybe teach kids how to grow uh, uh, vegetables in their backyard. Educate them on vegetables. If they understand how these vegetables work, they might have a better sense of how to do things better. I think that's a great idea, and everybody enjoys a little vegetable garden in the backyard. I think that's lots of fun. Well, thanks so much for being with us today, Sam. And remember, to learn more about Sam's perspective on healthy eating, check out his website at eatfitters.com, or you can just click on the link in his guest bio. It is always a fascinating discussion talking about the epidemic of obesity because it really impacts everyone's lives. And it's amazing when you think about the related increased costs in healthcare, but it's time for a short break. When we come back, join me for an in-depth discussion of the pros and cons of Obamacare and what the future holds for healthcare in the U.S. So stay tuned and we'll be right back here on Current. Are you entering your first pageant and feeling a little nervous about the pageant interview? Or are you an experienced contestant but feel that your pageant interview scores don't reflect your true abilities? Do you want to develop a winning pageant interview that reflects your personal style and puts you over the top? I'm Valerie Hayes, and I'm an award-winning pageant coach who has a proven track record of coaching contestants and developing the public speaking skills necessary to impress the judges. I've created a variety of options just for you, including DIY Coach Yourself at Home materials, teleseminars, workshops, and VIP private coaching to help you develop your winning pageant interview. You'll learn the techniques that professional speakers, spokesmodels, and even politicians and press secretaries use to come across as confident and informed every time. Plus, I'll teach you how to handle trick questions and to seed the interview so that you get questions that highlight you as the obvious choice for the title. So visit my website, ValerieHayes.com, and click on the VIP Coaching tab today, and we'll get started on working towards your crowning moment. Are you looking for couture jewelry to create your winning look? Internationally known pageant jewelry designer Stephanie Summers has been creating crowning looks for elite contestants across all the major pageant systems for over a decade. Whether you select a custom piece of jewelry handcrafted to match your wardrobe exactly, or you wear something special from Stephanie's new affordably priced trifles collection, you'll stand out as a contestant who's ready to wear the crown. Why spend all that money on a great gown and then wear run-of-the-mill jewelry? Visit www.stephaniesummers.com today and let her create the jewelry of your dreams. Did you know that your pageant paperwork is the secret to impressing the judges before you even walk into the interview room? It's true. Your pageant paperwork really is the foundation of your pageant interview. With my Rock Your Contestant Bio DIY Coaching Resource, you'll learn to avoid the most common paperwork mistakes and establish yourself as a leading choice for the title. Just visit my website today at www.valeriehayes.com and click on the Rock Your Bio tab. A great contestant bio is the first step towards your crowning moment. Hollywood Fashion Tape, the star's secret to looking perfectly put together, is also the favorite fashion solution company for the pageant world. The creators of the original hypoallergenic double-stick tape used to prevent wardrobe malfunctions, Hollywood Fashion Tape also offers a wide assortment of clever, problem-solving products designed to give you a competitive edge on stage or off. 
From our guaranteed no-show concealers to our never-fail breast lift tape, we've got you covered. Visit HollywoodFashionTape.com and see how you can have the same confidence the stars have when walking your red carpet. 